G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Let's introduce our guest for this hour, Darren Lewis. He heads up what's called Fathering Adventures and is right in the middle of this whole journey from boyhood to manhood and uh, helps fathers and sons to connect in an amazingly special way. Hello, Darren Lewis. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. It's great to uh, be sharing with you and your listeners today. Well, Darren, it's not the first time we've spoken, and we've had a great conversation before when it comes to these issues of fathering. And so uh, expecting today we're going to have a great conversation again. Uh, Let's talk about, though, something more focused than we perhaps have spoken about before, and that's this idea of boys on their journey towards manhood. Uh, You better just uh, sort of set a scene for us here, Darren. What is the major concern? Don't just uh, boys become men on their own. Uh, What's the need for a special uh, input into this journey? Uh, great question, great question. I actually, I actually posted on our uh, the Fathering Adventures Facebook page today uh, a quote by, uh, from a guy by the name of uh, Rick Bunchuk. Um, he's a um, an author, uh, counselor, pastor, and um, he said this. He said it takes more than birthdays for boys to become men, and it's so true. And 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 uh, it's interesting. You know, Australian um, psychologist and author Steve Bidolf. You know, uh, he has said, um, and I completely and wholeheartedly agree with him, that, you know, when we look back 300 years back and further, um, we see that every culture around the world had some form of rite of passage, some sort of ushering our sons into manhood, boys becoming men. Um, we see it in, in um, First Corinthians um uh, thirteen eleven, where Paul says, you know, he, he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And so, you know, there's, that's just a, a biblical example of, of, um, of the, of the fact that, that these processes would, you know, were a part of everyday life, um, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago. And it's something that today, uh, we we very seldomly offer um, yeah so it's it's a great shame and it's something that that, that we do need to um, implement and, and bring about change in Christendom and in, in the whole of the world. Interesting when you say those words of the Apostle Paul out of First uh, Corinthians. When I became a man, I put those boyhood ways behind me. Yeah. This is what we're talking about, isn't it? This process of becoming a man, because you know, boys, we go through puberty and we hit those teenage years and in towards our manliness by way of our bodies changing. But yeah. uh, what you're saying is there's got to be a little bit of a help along here because boyhood uh, it can stay with you if you don't actually have a transition point where you actually affirm that manhood indeed um <coughs> excuse me um john eldridge speaks of speaks of this and he speaks about boys in men's bodies and and in fact there's this um phenomenon now 
and I think most of us are aware of it, that, uh, you know, we have these uh, young men, if you will, um, boys in adult bodies, sort of in their late 20s and early 30s, still at home, still sort of taking uh, from mum and dad. There's, there's, no, there's no sense of masculinity. There's no greater vision for masculinity, of, of, of authentic manhood. They don't really, they don't know, and of course they don't know because they've never been shown, um, at least not intentionally speaking. And they've never had that moment. One of the questions I love to to um to ask guys is is you know well when did you become a man um you know it was a question that came up uh, during the movie courageous but um it was something that i've been asking men for many years when was it that you became a man because when we when we ask when i ask a man you know so um are you married you know and when were you married well a wise man will know the answer to that um you know, it, it, he he knows that he's married, and he knows when he was married because in that moment there was um, uh, there was a ceremony, there was uh, symbolism adopted, there was uh, celebration. Um, but when it comes to a boy becoming a man, that that's just it. You know, is it when he turns eighteen? Is it when you know he drinks his first drink of alcohol? Twenty one, getting married, you know, having children himself. You know, when is it? And for me, Neil, it was. I'll be completely honest with you, it was about 29 years of age. And by that stage, I'd already been married for eight to nine years um, and uh, was already a father of three (laughs) before I truly believe I became a man. I think before then, the old, especially an Australian saying, um, you know, fake it till you make it. And I was really just pretending to be a man, kind of watching what everybody else was doing and kind of following that example. But, But there's so much more. You know, when I reflect on these sorts of things and uh, I reflect on, because I've been a a believer uh, since age 14 and uh, now I'm 50, so that's quite a few years. And uh, in all of those years, in some form or other, a connection in church life, whether that be through youth groups or uh, through what happens in church life where you've got men's ministries. And what I have found over the many years now is that attending men's events uh, in the local church often comes uh, that challenge which actually uh, brings a man to a an appreciation of the responsibility of what manhood is. And it's not always framed in the idea of a rite of passage, uh, but uh, there are affirmations when you're a part of a church men's group. Uh, I mean, we're going to be talking about teenagers and boys, but this is the case when you start to say, well, you know, your manhood experience didn't start till like you were 29 years yeah. old. Well, uh, in church life, there's more opportunity for that manhood to be affirmed, isn't there? Yes. I think there's much more that can be offered there. I mean, um, I, w- I became a Christian at age 24, 20, yeah, I was about 24, 25, and, and, and um, uh, went to men's camps, you know, men's breakfasts, those kinds of things. But the same thing kept on being repeating. And, and it was, uh, you know, the, the man is the spiritual head of the household, <laughs> you know. And, and I just remember thinking to myself at that particular point in time, I sort of thought, I must have... I must have been away that Sunday that that message was preached. Um, I must have missed that men's camp because I don't know what that means. It was a phrase that everybody seemed to be, you know, every, all of the men sort of seemed to be bandying about, but I didn't really know the practical outworkings for it. And then I, be, then I came to realize, no, it wasn't that I'd missed church or I'd missed a, uh, a men's camp, that 
that so many other men were in the same boat as me, and and whilst they knew that phrase, they didn't have the practical how-tos. They they didn't know what it truly meant to be a man, what a man's responsibilities really were. They didn't really have a vision for manhood. So so yes, there's great potential, and I believe that that in the church, I think we should be leading in this area. Um, but but I think so many uh, sadly fall short. And I mean, you don't have to look too far. Um, and I do this quite regularly. I look out um, at what's happening in Australia and I jump on websites of the, the leading churches and so on. And there's lots of women's ministries and lots of you know, children's ministries and creative ministries. You know, there's lots of great things happening. But there are very few churches that are actually um, at least advertising that there is a men's ministry. And, when they, and, and even when they do, I think there is a potential for them to fall short of what they really could offer our men and, and, uh, and provide um, our men with, with something so much more foundational, so much more true and good and, and noble than, than what we've been led to believe. And Darren, when there is a men's ministry in church, oftentimes the gatherings are ad hoc or quarterly or, you know, they don't always happen every week. And what happens in that hour, hour and a half, two hours that you might be at a men's gathering isn't a substitute for what you have seen to be a very, very powerful time in the life of a boy on his journey to manhood. And that is the idea of actually having a retreat uh, an adventure uh, that father and son both participate in at a particular age. Now, reflect on this for a moment. The amount of time that a father spends with his son in this moment where a father realises that there is a rite of passage, a necessity for being able to affirm this manhood, uh, is it the ideal to have this sort of adventure getaway in which you can have a guided experience of a boy moving into manhood? Oh, the the uh, the men love it. The men love it. Uh, you know, and and quite often, um, this is something that I hear very regularly. Is is after the end of the week, you see a man. You know, and he can, and he can. I've seen them all ages. A man that'll kind of be sitting down reflecting, and you know, when I wander on over, they'll say something along the lines of this. They'll say, "Wow," <laughs> you know. They'll say, "I, I, I." Um, I, I feel that this may have even been more powerful for me than it was my son. Though, though, though of course, that was powerful. But I've, I've in this pro, throughout this process, have come to discover that, um, that some some really important things about me. There's some things that I can do that I didn't think I could do, and that that's been incredible. And then, of course, there are things um, that that I've learned here that I can now apply and. Uh, caused me to be even to, to grow even more in, and so you know that that's something that we hear a lot. But one of the beautiful things about fathers and sons coming together, and once again within a community of men, is that they are learning these things. Uh, they're, they're sharing experiences together, which of course is is um, is really building community like like no other way can, with the exception of perhaps um, fighting alongside you know one another. Um, and uh, but 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 as far as the the teaching component of it goes, they they learn together this new language. And so um, you know, I was using this example just recently with somebody. If 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 we sent our and quite often our schools do, they'll send our 
children, you know, overseas, you know, they'll, they'll uh, through schools and go to uh, various nations, including Japan, and they might learn to speak Jap- Japanese there, or perhaps they've learned before they've gone. But when they come home, if if they've got nobody at home to speak Japanese to, then how is it that they continue to to practice and uh, the, the language that they've learned? And the real the realism is that. Well, it's 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 incredibly difficult. So when you when you actually take fathers and sons away together, and then sort of bring those fathers and sons together, and they're learning um, about what it means to be a man, how a real man treats a woman, what a real man does, and where he invests his time and finances and all the rest of it, you know, um, how he treats others, you know, when they learn that together, you know, they can take that away. They're encouraging one another. I mean, it's it's just it's the only way that it ever happened, and it's the, and it's the way that it must happen. We're inviting listeners to be part of our conversation today. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might have your own thoughts to share about this journey of a boy to manhood. Don't want to leave women out of the conversation either. And you may have your own experience, perhaps even as a single mother. Sometimes we talk about absent fathers or fathers who just were not on the scene. Well, how do you handle this transition? You might like to call with your concerns. You might have a question. And Darren Lewis is uh, very capable of answering the questions you might have about your son uh, in this progression journey towards manhood. We'll, uh, we'll continue our... Well, let's take a call, actually, before we do. Let's hear from John in Melbourne. Hello, John. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, hi. Um, yes, I'd like to talk about the other side of the coin because um, my father always rejected me. Um, I come from a, a family of four, my four siblings, girls, and... Um, uh, my mother, my parents were both migrant family from Malta, and my dad. Um, what happened was um, he just walked out on my mum one day and went to live with another woman and brought up her kids and put them through private schools and all sorts of things and just just never wanted anything to do with us. Just completely, just wanted to start a new life. And um, anyway, but I've sent him Father's Day cards over the years and everything, and I always put my mobile number down and all that. So, Dad, please call me and. No response whatsoever. I go to visit his relatives and that, and um, they're just dumbfounded. They just say, well, you know, that's the way your dad is and all that. You know, but I still struggle with it. I, I, I didn't have any affection, male affection when I was a kid, so that left me astray, and I ended up looking for attention in the wrong places from males. And by the age of 15, 14, I was, you could say, having... Um, meeting guys that were taking advantage of me being so young only because I was emotionally deprived from the love from my father. Uh, Let's hear your thoughts, Darren. Uh, That's a significant story that John from Melbourne is telling. Yeah, John, uh, you know, that's, uh, first of all, I'm I'm sorry. On behalf of your father, I mean, you know, the the reality, John, and, and, and I don't don't want to minimise what you've endured at all because, um, you know, we we were, each one of us, every man, every woman, every little boy, every little girl, you know, was meant to receive the love and the attention and the affection in the appropriate appropriate ways um, from their dads. And, And too often, you know, do I hear of dads or hear from sons and daughters alike who who have suffered because they didn't receive those things and it does and those things do leave a wound he was only being selfish i mean love is a natural thing we're born with love but he he, he was just selfish doing what he wanted and he had the responsibility you don't walk away from your family it says it in the bible so i can't remember the scripture but a man must look after his family and you know and 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 he didn't do that 
Yeah, look, he, he, he didn't. He failed you. And, and part, of, part of that is acknowledging that. Um, I love your heart that you never gave up, that you continued to pursue him. I think when, he, when a man does something like that, what happens is, is he carries a lot of guilt and shame with him. Um, and, and that can make it so much more difficult to, to come back and to accept your you know, arms that have reached out because of the shame that he's kind of covered with. So, you know, it, it, the reality too is, is that your father probably never received from his father what he needed to receive as far as what, you know, you've, you've just basically sort of um, shared uh, what, what, what you've, believe the Bible says in regards to um, being a man, being a husband, being a father, and, and of course your dad sort of you know, failed in those things. But, but did anybody ever teach him those things? Was there anything, uh, was there a, a greater vision that was imparted to him when he, was, when he was moving through those teenage years and then became a dad himself? Because once again, you know, without something, without something formalized, without another man, whether it be dad or a significant male other, bestowing, you know, John Eldridge says that masculinity is bestowed by masculinity. It doesn't come from any other way or any other source. And, and, and so, you know, more than likely, I would say that your dad never received that himself. And that's why, you know, they say that, um, that, that you can't take somewhere where you have not been yourself. You know, you can't give what you don't have. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm deeply sorry to, to hear of your story, and, and, I've heard, and sadly I've heard of far too many stories. And ultimately, this is what I want to do through Fathering Adventures, is to equip and empower men to father their sons and their daughters well. Because a lot of dads come and they, they sort of go, well, you know, all I ever really knew was that as a father I needed to provide financially and to provide discipline. And, and because my father, that's what he did, and uh, once again, it comes from the father, you know, how, what the definition of manhood, of fathering and so on. And, um, you know, that's why I'm so passionate and, and uh, why we continue doing what we do to help father fathers. John from Melbourne, thanks so much for sharing your story and being part of 2020 today. Uh, great to have your uh, insights uh, and to tell your own story. You can be a part of our conversation today. 1-800-316-316 is our number. You might have your own thoughts on the journey of a boy to manhood. Uh, how did your dad teach you? How to be a man. Let's hear from uh, mums too, uh, women. Uh, what are your concerns for the next generation of husbands, fathers, grandfathers and uncles? This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking fathering. We're talking the journey from boyhood to manhood today. Our special guest, Darren Lewis, who heads up Fathering Adventures, a man who knows a lot about fathering, a former father of the year in Queensland in 2011. Uh, Darren, uh, just quickly, I don't want to go too far into our conversation without actually talking about uh, ways that you can get some solutions here and get a, a rite of passage, a an affirmation for your son uh, into our hearts and minds today what do you do on your fathering adventures that triggers this uh, change from boyhood to manhood well um, Neil I have what's called uh, five essential ingredients or five you know essential elements uh, to a process of masculine initiation and what we do 
through our four and five night father-son adventures, which are ages 13 and up, no maximum age limit whatsoever. So middle-aged men, you know, mature-aged men can bring their dads along as well, which is fantastic. Um, but during that process, we obviously have um, that relationship. We f- re- the relationship between father and son is is essential. Um, and the reason the reason being is it's just foundational to everything else. You know, to actually provide some form of rite of passage, a process of initiation. You know, if the son is is not connecting to dad, then then there's a real issue that's going to you know he he won't he won't receive what he needs to receive because there's no respect or whatever that happens there. But one of the beautiful things that we see, of course, Malachi 4.6 talks about in the very last verse of the Old Testament, um, you know, speaks about um, turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. And what we've seen is that as the heart of a father turns to his sons in, in the, these particular circumstances, then the hearts of the sons turn back to their fathers, which is just an incredibly beautiful thing. Of course, by simple default, we have um, a, a bunch of fathers and sons that do this together. So there's the community of men, which is the second you know, essential ingredient element of a, uh, of a rite of passage, a, a um, process of masculine initiation. The third thing is training and instruction. Actually, I should probably, um, before, before sort of framing in around that, it's more than, it's more than that. So the, the, I guess... Let's say that the third thing is actually adventure. It's the outdoors. It's taking taking their fathers and sons out together as a, that community of men out together, and they're engaging in outdoor adventure activities. We do things like what well, we're rafting, sea kayaking, snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef. There's horse riding, dirt bike riding, um, caving, abseiling. You name it. We we do it in different parts of the the country, um, and that's really important because every boy, every man, in fact has this core question, do I have what it takes? And, and, and more than hearing it from Dad, he needs to ex- experience that himself. He needs to discover for himself that he actually does have what it takes, and that comes through the testing and the challenging um, that, that, once again, forms a very essential um, part of, of um, this process. And then, of course, the training and instruction. So we're out all day, basically, on our four- and five-night father-son adventures. We're out all day. Um, experiencing these professionally guided adventures is a lot of fun. There's there's the testing and challenging. Um, it really brings, like as I said, fathers and sons together with the with the uh, community of men. But in the evening, what, what what we do is I actually present on on specific topics like conventional manhood versus authentic manhood, um, the four marks of a real man. And once again, together, all of these guys are, are hearing this, and what we do is we break up into small groups, and, and we discuss, I, I throw out a few questions to discuss after the presentation it's ex- itself. So that provides the vision casting, if you will, once again, the vision for what it means to be a real man. It, it's the training and instruction that, that every boy, every man, every girl and woman, for that matter, too, requires um, on life, on masculinity, on, on their identities and so on. And then finally, on the very final evening, what we do is we have what's called an initiation ceremony. So once again, in that, in that moment, um, the father calls his son up out of boyhood and up into something much, much higher, something much more noble and good, um, being either young manhood for the, for the younger guys or authentic manhood for the older guys. And, of course, he makes that his own. I train the dads um, how to do that beforehand, obviously. And then we all sort of finish, you know, each, each, each particular um, charge that, the, that each father gives to the sons is finished with the same charge that the King David gave to Solomon right before he died, where he says, be strong, 
go show yourself a man. And uh, so once again, there's the fathers and sons leave um, our adventures at the end of the week without this wondering whether they are men. I think a lot of men, they, they begin to wonder whether, in fact, they are men because we haven't received something like this. We haven't received some level of process like this. And, and so, um, but, but certainly for the fathers and sons who join us, you know, they know in that moment that they are no longer boys and, once again, can really sort of uh, relate back to where Paul said that in First Corinthians 13. There's plenty to talk about. I love that expression, a father calling his son up into manhood. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk some more about that. Uh, we are taking calls 1-800-316-316. You can contribute to our conversation. Uh, let's uh, take a call quickly from Annette, who is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Annette. Welcome along to 2020. What's your thoughts? Hi. Um, I'm ringing because I've been a single mum who has raised two sons. Uh, one of them's 31 and the other one's 25. Um, they're very um, strong boys and fairly well balanced um, because they were raised in, as Christians and with boundaries, etc. Um, my concern is that my oldest son, his heart is splitting in two at the moment because he has now has two sons of his own. He started journaling because he, um, that's his way of trying to work through these issues. His, uh, he hasn't, the boys have different fathers. I had an abusive father. I ended up getting involved with abusive men, unfortunately. But I'm um, uh, coming through the other side. And um, God is always with me. Uh, my concern is with my older son that just recently I spoke to a mutual friend of myself and Ben's father. I shouldn't even mention his name, really. But um, anyway, um, and I've heard some news that the father thinks that the child might not be his, which is completely ridiculous, and I've laughed. And I got the information. And it, it, gets, it gets complicated, doesn't it? Let's hear some thoughts from Darren on the sorts of things you're sharing because uh, these things do hang over uh, because if sons don't have the sort of transition experience we've been talking about, then uh, grandsons are also in the firing line of missing out on something very valuable and very important. Let's hear from Darren. Darren, your thoughts on what Annette is sharing. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Annette. Um, look, <clears throat> it's, it's very important, as, as you said there, Neil. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that that um, <clears throat> you know that cursing can pass down, and in fact, it's it's the way that it passes down. Cursing passes down the generational lines. You know, and it, the, there's a couple of scriptures. You know, one talks about the third and fourth generation. Another one talks the tenth generation. The good news, however, is that blessings also pass down that line. It's a blessings passed down to the thousandth generation and we're yet to experience that thousandth generation so it's a very long time um so but so i guess really um what your sons will need to do at some point in their own journeys um and and they're still very early on in their journeys um is to is to really um uh, deal with the baggage that they're carrying you know when a, when a father is absent in the life of a a, uh, a boy or a girl, um, <clears throat> or where 
whether he's uh, and and that and that absence doesn't have to be just physically either it can be emotionally spiritually and and so when when that happens that does leave a wound and and that wound um does need to be lanced in in order to heal um we know that with a boil you know like it needs to be cleaned out it needs to be cleansed um and so there there are some things that that your sons will have to actually begin to work through so that they don't pass that on to their own sons Oh, well, the good news is that it's not that is that their destinies aren't yet set. You know, in, in that regard, they don't have to follow in the footsteps of their father. Um, my my example is is a prime example of that. Um, so, yeah, it's there's there's still much hope, and and also just from your perspective, Annette, just as, as a mum, don't underest, underestimate the the great uh, power and influence that you carry. Um, I'd be, you know, and I'm sure you do pray for them, um, you know, morning, noon, and night. And, uh, you know, be available, have the discussions, you know, answer their questions um, and, uh, and, and, and encourage them to, to get, around, get alongside other men, older men, mentors, you know, to go out looking for that and, and, to, and ask others to mentor them. It's, it's a very important part of, their, uh, part of their journey. And it's an error that most men make is we think because we're men, we're meant to have all of the answers ourselves and, and we're meant to know the direction. And, and so, you know, we, we become islands, we become isolated, and, and uh, that, that's, that's the thing that takes us out and kills us in the end. So, Annette from the Gold Coast, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today and for sharing your heartbeat for your sons and for your grandsons. We are talking about boys on their journey towards manhood. What are your thoughts on that journey of a boy to manhood? How did your dad teach you how to be a man? Uh, Let's hear from women too. What are your concerns for the next generation of husbands, fathers, grandfathers and uncles? What do you think about things like rites of passage? Are they important? Uh, Is it something you just leave to the media, movies? (laughs) There's all sorts of things you might think are alternatives to uh, the sorts of things we're talking about this hour. Darren Lewis from Fathering Adventures is our guest. Darren, let me bring you back to something that I highlighted in our last segment, that idea of a father calling his son up into manhood. Uh, There's a journey for a father uh, to be able to come to a point where he can do that successfully with his son, uh, what sort of things prepare a father to actually make that call on his son into manhood? Well, um, you know what I've what I've seen and I've witnessed now hundreds of times over is is men's lack of belief in themselves, you know, in their own inability. Because one of the a man's greatest fear is failure and, and, and to be sort of seen and exposed as not being a man himself. And, and, and that's why, you know, I mentioned before that, that, that quote about masculinity being bestowed by masculinity. What I've found just through the authority that I have uh, in this sphere, I'm able to speak into men's lives and, and, and just say, guys, you can do this. You know, once again, you don't just drop them in the deep end. You provide the teaching, you know, the training and instruction that, that they should have received from dad, but most haven't. And so I guess, once again, it's my role through Fathering Adventures very much is, is involved in, um, in fathering fathers in so many ways. And, and quite often, guys older than myself. But because I guess I'm, I, I have that authority in this area and, and um, 
you know, have that have that experience that I'm able to speak into men's lives, provide the teaching that they require, that that training and instruction they require, um, and be able to, to to sort of call back to moments where I've seen them sort of do things they couldn't do, and, and then ultimately lead them into this space of saying, you know, guys, this this is what needs to happen now. This is the next part of this journey, and and you guys can do this. So just that just that affirmation from another man um, and 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 an assurance. You know, I think because I have seen so many fathers, you know, affirm and validate and call up, you know, their sons, I think that, um, I think that, and, and, and I'm able to genuinely say, I've never seen a man fail in this. And once again, those, those are the things that, that those men's ref, men reflect on down the track is they're like, I didn't think I could do that, but I could, and I did, and it did, and it did, it went well, and, and my sons have really responded to that. Now this, now they stand another four inches taller than they did before I, before I said that, before I called them up into that. So, yeah, I think that that sort of uh, giving giving men an understanding that their fear that they innately carry with them is normal. It's 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 not good necessarily, but it's but it is normal, and every man feels, or I should clarify that most men feel that way. Um, and and just but once again, see. This is so much of a process of initiation for men as well. You know, something that's that's the testing and challenging, not so much in the outdoor adventures there, but but in these kind of adventures. This is where the real adventures are at. This is where the real manhood adventures and the real relationship adventures are actually at. Is is when you challenge a man to do this and and, can, and affirm that he can do it. Um, it's, a, it's a it's a great thing to witness and a great thing to be a part of. Darren, just before we take another call, uh, let me just ask you about. Uh, where you're doing these uh, special fathering adventures because you're based in Townsville in Queensland and you are travelling these days to other centres where you're doing fathering adventures as well. Uh, What sort of, uh, you know, geographical locations are we talking about that you travel to? Yes, yeah, so we so we off we off, we do these things in obviously tropical North Queensland. It's it's my home, so this is kind of where we where we sort of um, began to run them. But as the demand has grown, we've travelled elsewhere, and so we we're quite uh, prevalent in in Southeast Queensland now. We we offer um, our adventures there in New South Wales, both on the on the coast, sort of south of Sydney and around the Shoalhaven area. Um, also just north of Canberra, the, sort of in the Brindabella Ranges there, um, and also down uh, down in Victoria as well, um, out uh, Pakenham Way, out at sort of um, Mill Valley Ranch Way down there. So father and son adventures, dad and daughter adventures, the weekend adventures are ages 7 to 13. And as I said, the four-night and four-night and five-night father-son and dad and daughter adventures um, uh, up at ages 13 and up, there's no maximum age limit for those. And are you opening? Uh, are you open to travelling further afield? Uh, people listening to our conversation, uh, as far as uh, you know, because you're in North Queensland, there. People listening to us in WA and South yeah, Australia. Yeah. Are you open to Absolutely. invitations? Absolutely. Where there's, where there's where there's hungry hearts, where there's where there's a need, where there's the demand. Obviously, it costs to travel. You know. Um, uh, so you know, so so basically, it is important that that when somebody would like something like that to happen, that there is an avenue there, whether through churches or whatever men's ministries, that um, uh, that we can begin to rally others behind this. Because we really, typically, um, our venues that we use, so we usually use cabins, you know, um, and uh, the and we have the the adventures catered as well, and so usually they require. 
um, a minimum of around about 12 father-son or 12 dad and daughter pairs. So, you know, for, for one, whilst I would love to go and, and, and be there for the one, it's, it is important to have a, a group and, uh, and, and we can lose money very quickly if we, uh, if we, if we have insufficient demand. So certainly if, if there's... We're, we're certainly looking for allies, Neil, yep. to, to help raise that demand. Well, there'll be, uh, there'll be people interested in, uh, in what you do and getting it into their territory. Uh, let's take another call. Simone is in Burnie in Tasmania. Hello, Simone. Welcome along to 2020. Hey, Neil. Great to hear from you, Simone. What are your thoughts on what we're talking about today? Um, I'm actually after a bit of advice. Um, I've got two nephews at the, at the moment and um, their parents have... Um, been divorced for about two years or so and there's still that sort of bitter play and um, not nice things said between each party and I just feel that in a way that's affecting um, how they see a relationship between um, you know a man and a woman and um, sometimes they've sort of um, called both my husband and I mum and dad because um they receive sort of a different kind of love here and I was just wondering how we sort of um, would help them and guide them but without taking over the fatherly role. Darren, your thoughts on what Simone is sharing? Well, my first thought, Simone, is well done. Well done. I just honour you and your husband. I mean, I just think, wow, that's that's exactly what's meant to happen. I mean, it's, it was the tragedy that mum and dad have, have, you know, are going through a divorce and that it's a messy one, even even worse again. The fact that, um, you know, an uncle and an aunt, you know, grandparents are sort of present, engaged, sort of, you know, watching on, delighting in, kind of not not forgetting and, and you know I just think that that is essential um, so I, I don't really know what more to say other than other than really well done Simone you know well done to you and your husband because that that is essential yes you can't you're not going to replace them and maybe it's certainly worth you know in the right time I mean I love that they call you mum and dad I mean it's kind of sad but I also love that um, and and you know obviously out of respect to your sister I think it is and her husband I mean I, I think that uh, at some point in the in the when the when they're secure enough, you know, you just say, "Hey, listen, we're not mum and dad, but um, we love you anyway." And and there is always a place in our home for you. And um, you know, it, I always say that when dads aren't absent, you know, they need significant male others. And so your uncle, so your husband is going to provide an incredibly uh, great place, and that's okay. We you'll be surprised by how many uncles, grandfathers, pastors. Um, you know, bring um, uh, you know brothers. You know, bring uh, their their nephews, younger brothers, younger you know nieces, you know nephews, and and mentors are bringing you know their little proteges and things. And you know, it's just it's just beautiful. It you know, there's that African proverb you know that says that uh, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think it's very it, it is you know, and our nuclear family uh, it was never the way we were meant to exist. And so um, keep doing what you're doing and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, that way they're having a relationship with somebody that has a little bit more perspective on it than what they do. Because the, a lot of the children that we've come across is we've, you know, we have um, a lot of single dads or, you know, um, non-custodial dads bring their sons. And, and, and something that I always say to them sort of towards the end of the week when, they, when they're going to spend some time where the, where the younger ones are going to be asking the older ones some questions, I'll always say things like, um, 
guys, you know, one of the things if you need to do is to, uh, is to just remind them that it's not their fault. Uh, because quite often, I mean, we've had a dad bring two sons separately over a couple of years, and both sons believed that it was their fault that for, for, the, for the marriage breakdown. So that's something very key to sort of get in as early as possible um, and remind them of that truth. But once again, that's going to come best from mum and dad. But well done, Simone. Well done to you and your husband. I just honour you. And, and uh, I'm sure that many, many of the listeners to today's program are going to, you know, hear your story and, uh, and want to offer just that because, you know, sadly, that story is not, is not all of that unique. And there are many, of, many cases around the country right now where this is taking place. So... It's Neil with you. You're tuned in on 2020. We're talking about boys on their journey towards manhood. Darren Lewis from Fathering Adventures is our guest. Darren, let's take another call. Emmanuel from Perth is on the line. Hello, Emmanuel. What's your thoughts on our topic of discussion today? Hi, guys. How are you going? Very well. Well, thank you. I just want to draw your attention to um, a guy over here in Perth who has started up a a ministry called the Fathering Project. Yep. And um, I was just thinking um, maybe you could collaborate with him or get in touch with um, the guy over here, and he's doing similar, not really camps, but he's just going back to the Bible and uh, making sure what, what fathers can do for their, for their children. Let me ask, Darren, is there a, a camaraderie, a collaboration between uh, fathering organisations like yours? That's essential. You know, synergy is essential to really make the greatest deal of change. Um, I'm aware of Dr. Bruce Robinson. Um, he was Western Australia Father of the, uh, sorry, Western Australia of the Year just a couple of years ago now, I think, or last year. Um, he yes runs the the fathering project over there. Um, we would love we would love to work in with that, those guys. Um, you know, it, these, these guys like that are really busy, and it's really hard to get a hold of them. Um, but certainly, absolutely, we would love to collaborate with them and work in uh, more closely with them and partner with them on on series of. Um, uh, projects and so on. So you know, if if you have some avenues in into that, then uh, Emmanuel, then, then we would we would absolutely lo- uh, love to work alongside the Fathering Project in Western Australia. Well, Emmanuel, if you're aware of uh, contact details, you might be able to uh, set up uh, an exchange of uh, of contacts uh, between uh, the uh, the fellow there in WA and uh, and of course Darren Lewis. Thanks, Emmanuel, for being part of 2020 today. Uh, running out of time, Darren, I wanted to just finish on uh, a high note in the sense of what we're talking about today: fathers calling their sons into manhood. I want to bring you back to something you were sharing about one of the presentations you do on your fathering adventures, talking about the four marks of a real man. Yeah. And and I wonder whether we can just revisit that very briefly because just those things that we need to have in our minds about what sort of things we need to be communicating to our sons. Indeed. So, so sorry, Neil, you would like to know what those are? Uh, well, just just briefly, yeah, yeah, I mean, just to, to recap on that because... Yeah. Uh, I'm absolutely. not sure how quickly you can do that, but we absolutely. haven't got much time. Look, very, very quickly, absolutely. It's something I teach my uh, sons when they turn to the age of 13. And uh, these, these, come from, these come from really uh, a, a passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 
uh, 15, I think, versus 45 to 48, it speaks, it compares the two Adams. Um, the first Adam, obviously, um, Adam from the Garden of Eden, Eden, and then, of course, the second Adam being uh, Jesus Christ. And so where Adam failed, where the first Adam failed and the second Adam succeeded, that's where these uh, gems come from. So the first one is simply a real man rejects passivity because, you see, men are naturally passive. And, and they may not be passive in the workplace, but certainly socially and spiritually, men are naturally passive. So, so there's a, an, uh, men need to reject that passivity that is natural to them. The secondly, um, uh, men need to, we know this, accept responsibility. Um, so we've got to accept responsibility. Um, the third one is, is a real man um, leads courageously. It takes great courage to lead. You know, I've, I've interviewed countless women, um, at women's retreats and so on, and uh, nine, out, nine out of ten times what they want from a man is a man who's going to love them and lead them well as a genuine servant leader. Um, but, of course, men kind of feel... That they, you know, they're not confident in that. They don't really know how to do that well. Uh, but certainly, that's something the real man does. He leads with courage. And then finally, when a real man um, is rejecting passivity, accepting responsibility, leading courageously, then he can expect the greater reward. God has a great reward for him and for his life when he lives out those first three marks of a real, real man. See, where, where the first Adam went wrong is he went looking for his reward. He pursued after the reward, but a real man doesn't do that. He does what, what, what he knows to be true. He, he rejects passivity, he accepts responsibility, he leads courageously, and when he does those three things, he can, in fact, expect the greater reward. Well, Darren Lewis, what a great way to recap in the way that you've just done those four assets that a man needs to have that make him genuinely a man. And Darren Lewis, I point people to fatheringadventures.com.au. Darren, thank you so much for being our guest today here on 2020. We'll do this again sometime. It was my honour and privilege, and I look forward to it, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.